Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore. A show in which we analyze the happenings from around the world and their impact on India. In today's episode, we focus solely on US President Donald Trump's two-day visit to India and its implications on India. Uh, This was President Trump's first visit to India happening during the fourth and final year of his presidency, planned as a return visit for Prime Minister Modi's own visit to the US in September 2019. So uh, let's look at what were the prime expectations prior to the trip. Uh, First of all was the visuals. Uh, We all know that uh, uh, the Prime Minister Modi's visit to the U.S. in September, uh, in which uh, Howdy Modi was uh, was a marquee event, was a grand spectacle, and uh, India had to India had to reciprocate uh, and uh, invite uh, Trump uh, to India, and uh, Trump had accepted India's invitation, and um, that w- uh, it needed to be seen as to how would the visuals pan out. And on the eve of the trip, uh, Trump had also told that uh, India doesn't treat us well, but I like Narendra Modi a lot. So uh, this kind of set it up, basically. Uh, Everyone was eager to find out uh, how the trip would go about. Uh, The other major issue or the other major expectation was trade in itself. Uh, US and India, now uh, the the joint trade is approximately $160 billion. And India enjoys a good uh, trade surplus of $21 billion, although it is coming down uh, year on year. Uh, US and India have been at loggerheads when it comes to trade right from the beginning of Trump presidency. And we'll explain about that a little later. Uh, Trump has made the tariffs imposed by India on certain commodities imported from the US a very big deal. So uh, this was another uh, sticking point that uh, people wanted to uh, have some clarity on. And the other <clears throat> other primary uh, focus was on energy needs. Uh, India has a, India as a developing economy has uh, quite a big uh, energy uh, bill. Uh, and uh, US is emerging as a significant supplier of uh, oil and gas to India. And uh, it needed to be seen as to how uh, these two uh, countries would uh, would uh, guarantee their own uh, energy needs. Mohal? Yeah, so uh, another uh, area was defense and homeland security. So there has been increasing uh, cooperation on uh, counterterrorism. Uh, also on the defense for front, uh, Kishore, I think over the last decade, from mm-hmm. practically very low numbers, the defense uh, 
amount of defense hardware that has been purchased by India has grown by leaps and bounds to Indeed. around uh, 20 billion. Uh, after we count for the recent deal for the uh, Apache, the six more Apache helicopters and the new deal for the 24 MH60 uh, Romeo uh, right. helicopters. Also pending is the deal which has been given the green light on the Indian side, but the final terms haven't been worked out. Uh, is the NASAM's uh, uh, anti-missile uh, system to protect like high-value uh, installations around the ca national capital of Delhi. Uh, another topic uh, which would be uh, on the cards uh, was going to be like regional security in Afghanistan. Now, impending the deal on the 29th February, which uh, was just signed a couple of days ago, between the US and Afghanistan has had India worried. Now the US wants to end its uh, one of the longest wars it has been involved in like the 19 year old war in Afghanistan and take its troops back home. In this regard, it wants a peace deal with Afghanistan and hence wants its allies, including India, to do more to ensure a peaceful Afghanistan. Now to this effect, the US is ready to hand over Afghanistan to the Taliban or let whatever the, its it fate may be, you know. Now, the Indians, on the other hand, want the Afghan government to decide if it wants to talk to the Taliban pretty much as an intra-Afghan uh, dialogue to settle their disputes uh, on a way forward. Uh, one more interesting impact was the looming U.S. Elect presidential elections. So now, uh, as you know that the U.S. is going to the polls in November of this year, uh, where Trump is looking for a second term. Now... Um, some have speculated that uh, the growing closeness between uh, Prime Minister Modi and President Trump uh, also has is to reap rich political div uh, dividends in the U.S. Now, as you know, India uh, Indians uh, heavily vote for the Democrat candidates all the time. As per some uh, data that was uh, shared by Tanvi Madan, uh, it was reported that only 14% of the electorate went for Donald Trump. Uh, in his election versus uh, Hillary Clinton in 2016. So Trump would, might be looking to make inroads into the Indian diaspora in terms of showing up his closeness with uh, Modi and sort of trying to implicitly say that Modi is kind of tactically uh, approving a second term for Trump. Uh, and one of the centerpieces, which was like the first, the, the event, the Howdy Modi event in Houston last year, and now the event in Ahmedabad in uh, less than a year. So um, uh, also on top of that, we have to mention that the, there has been more partisanship than before in like not only India, but also the US. Main, much of the criticism of uh, the various steps uh, undertaken by the Modi government in second term uh, have been coming from the democratic side, uh, which is kind of, uh, I would say like due to the pressure put on there by constituents to speak out loudly against uh, the policies of the Modi government. So mm -hmm. there is also like a small election angle. I mean, granted the US, uh, the Indian diaspora is just 1% of the population. So it cannot like significantly, even if a large number in theory shift to Trump, uh, it wouldn't swing the election completely in his favor is he's, he's looking to maybe chip away at the deficits against the Democrats, which has been historically very high. Kishore? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, these were the primary expectations uh, coming in uh, uh, prior to the trip. And uh, people wanted to know how uh, the entire uh, trip would also pan out. But uh, basically, I think uh, we need to take uh, a couple of steps back and try to understand how uh, the Indo-US ties have uh, panned out. Uh, Mohal, you want to talk about how uh, uh, in US presidents have uh, visited India? Yeah. So interestingly, like over the 70 years of uh, independence or 70 plus, uh, this has only been the eighth visit ever by a serving US president to India. So, I mean, I just go chronically, chronologically through all the visits. So the first visit was by President Eisenhower in 1959, uh, followed by 10 years later by Nixon in 69, and then by President Carter in 78. After that, I mean, due to the uh, friction in the India-US ties and the glowing closeness with the Soviet, the erstwhile Soviet Union, there was a huge gap of 22 years before President Clinton, towards the end of his second term, did visit India in 2000. Uh, those visits, uh, after that, there were a much shorter period where in 2006, uh, President George W. Bush visited and Obama visited twice to his credit in 2010 uh, and in 2015. So this clearly shows that there were five presidential after like there were being like uh, like four, four visits in the first, uh, let's say maybe around 50 odd years in the next in the by the turn of this century, there have been like uh, one, two, three, four and a fifth visit in less than 20 years. So that shows that the deepening of the relationship and India ranks on top or near the top for every U.S. president to make a visit uh, going forward. Kishore? Indeed, indeed. Uh, I mean, these were back-to-back -back, uh, presidential visits. So we don't have any U.S. president not coming to India in the past uh, 20 years. And that in itself uh, speaks a lot about the bilateral uh, ties between, the, between India and the U.S. So I think uh, one thing that we all need to realize Yes, all uh, IR and foreign policy watchers uh, will need to hold on to their horses in declaring that uh, Indo-US ties are facing tough times and that India has to blame for it. For example, when uh, President Trump rejected India's invitation to be the chief guest during the Republic Day celebrations, it was said that India wasn't important enough for the US. And then again, mm -hmm. when, uh, when uh, Trump's visit was announced, but it was also announced that the trade deal would not happen, it was again said that Trump's visit without trade deal meant nothing. And uh, that is exactly what we are trying to analyze uh, today in our episode. Uh, we'll try to analyze why uh, Trump's visit was a big deal. And that uh, sometimes analysts are actually wrong in telling that Indo-US uh, ties are uh, nothing but uh, mere statements on paper. So, uh, yeah, so let, now let's focus on what actually happened on the trip. We'll pick one dimension at a time. We'll pick one aspect at a time. Uh, Mohal, you want to go first with uh, defense? Yeah, so defense has one of been the strong suits in the Indo-US relationship in the uh, past few years. So uh, what was signed was a combined 3.5 billion deal for 24 MH-60 uh, helicopters 
which will replace our the india's obsolete seeking anti submarine helicopters mm-hmm. and also uh, six more ah64 apache at- attack helicopters for the indian army so let me dwell a little bit more into these purchases so india for a long time had a huge requirement for helicopters which could do search and rescue for its uh, naval ships frontline naval ships and also come uh, combat uh, do anti submarine warfare uh, uh, area where which was severely lacking so this will help give uh, a, a high potency to the anti submarine warfare of the ships um, we know that the chinese have been foring into the indian ocean region for the past decade and their frequency is increasing and while on the surface fleet side india is as good uh, capabilities but the anti submarine warfare is slight one of i wouldn't say like a super weakness but a small weakness uh, in the indian navy's uh, arm so this would help uh, bolster up significantly the the capabilities of the surface vessels in in the ro- domain of the anti submarine uh, realm uh also the apache helicopter deals the earlier deals, there was some friction between who would control the the apache helicopters would they be used by the indian air force or by the indian army now i mean as in many armies like as a part of a, a joint doctrine like ownership could be with either or there could be a joint ownership but there was a tussle and in the end it was decided that the first batch of helicopters would be given the indian air force would be given control now uh afterwards like the second batch which is this the six helicopters are now going to the indian army so hopefully in the future and i mean as i think snehesh alex philip reported that the cost was significantly higher for the same set of uh, almost same set of helicopters like because of the disputes between so this is something maybe with the joint commands and the jointness that their cds has been espousing uh we can avoid a situation in the future where we just make two purchases and the cost has gone up significantly in the meanwhile uh coming back to the defense relationship so like i mean india and us has been growing closely india had received last year the sta1 or the strategic trade authorization where india can import uh, technology up to the level of nato allies this is something even many of the us the closest allies i think believe like even like a country like south korea doesn't have um now the total purchases on the from the us stand about like 18 billion making it the second largest exporter to india uh with the helicopter deal now it would have now cross roughly around more than 20 billion now we have seen that i mean in the i think kishore we did discuss in one of the previous episodes on the 2 plus 2 meeting that comcasa was signed uh i believe like uh couple of years ago correct uh comcasa i think was in 2016 or 2017 and then lemoa was in 2018 yeah sorry sorry uh, uh no no I, i it's other around kishor uh, like uh, lemoa was signed ah, in right. terms yes. of the modi government and then lemoa was signed uh, sorry lemoa was signed like in 2016 and comcasa was signed in 2018 lemoa uh, so came first foundational right. yeah and then the third foundational agreement uh, which is the beca which is the basic exchange and cooperation agreement it's under review and hopefully india can sign so we can complete the trifecta of uh, all the three agreements uh, with the united states right and add to this uh, india did start the tiger triumph uh, exercises which were held uh, last november 
Mm-hmm. And so then, this was a yeah, pretty- in addition, they also signed the industrial security annex during the two plus two in December as well. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, so this was a brief roundup of the defense relationship and where it stands today. Now, moving to the energy, like uh, Trump had announced at the Hyderabad house that energy exports from US had increased 500% since he took office. And I mean, now India, from practically importing nothing in terms of hydrocarbons from the US has come a long way. Now, India is now the fourth largest export destination for oil, the US oil, and also the fifth largest uh, export destination for gas, as per some reports. So it there's a significant volume of uh, U.S. hydrocarbons coming to India, Kishore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's about uh, energy. I think uh, let's move on and try to figure out uh, what were the other uh, dimensions which had quite a bit of focus. Uh, one thing, Mohal, which is not talked about much, and uh, we would like our listeners to know about is. Uh, the Blue Dot Network, which is kind of a counter to Belt and Road Initiative uh, of the Chinese. And uh, the BDN or the Blue Dot Network uh, aims to carry out infrastructure and development projects around the world uh, with, uh, with some kind of uh, private uh, investments and private partnerships. So uh, BDN as a proposal, as a project was discussed during the East Asia Summit in November. And it was taken up as a G7 initiative. And uh, remember, Modi was invited to participate in the G7 as well uh, uh, by the French uh, president. Mm. And then immediately after that, uh, uh, BDN uh, was meant to have uh, to address all the connectivity issues uh, through sustainability and transparency, while also avoiding the debt trap for the recipient countries. So all the all the pluses that uh, the BRI would uh, provide would be provided by the Blue Dot Network as well. All with with also keeping in mind uh, all the negatives that uh, the BRI would bring in, the BDN would try to avoid these uh, negatives. So this was uh, one kind of a proposal, and uh, the U.S. budget also set up uh, uh, sixty billion dollars for uh, BDN. So uh, BDN is quite a uh, exciting uh, prospect for uh, recipient countries, uh, whoever they may be. So uh, Trump, President Trump, uh, kind of announced that uh, India would also work closely with all these uh, G7 countries in trying to figure out how to take uh, BDN forward. So I think uh, this uh, gives uh, India a very good uh, uh, high seat at the table. And uh, it would uh, kind of uh, also uh, allow India to put it, to put forth uh, its perspective when it comes to global development and uh, global initiatives. So mm-hmm. uh, that's about the BDN. Uh, the other thing was uh, with regards to communication. Uh, we all know that uh, the five G network is becoming a big uh, uh, issue around the world, and uh, the Chinese uh, equipment uh, manufacturer Huawei. Is, uh, is kind of uh, going active and trying to uh, lure all uh, all countries, asking them to uh, uh, take up uh, Huawei and uh, set up uh, their infrastructure. But I think uh, the U.S. has uh, told India clearly that it wants Indian help in building a 5G network, uh, rather the other way around. It wants to help 
uh, India in building a 5G network, which implies that uh, the US has told India that they don't want uh, India to have a Huawei-based uh, uh, infrastructure backbone network. Uh, again, uh, Trump said during the visit, uh, I quote him, uh, during our visit, we discussed the importance of a secure 5G wireless network and the need for this emerging technology to be a tool for freedom, progress, prosperity, not to do anything where it could be even considered as a conduit for suppression and censorship, unquote. I think this was a major statement coming in from uh, Trump. And uh, clearly, uh, US has indicated that it does not want India to uh, go the Huawei way. So uh, India will have to, uh, it needs to be seen as to how India would uh, respond to the US uh, overtures on this. But uh, on the China uh, front though, uh, this uh, uh, blunt statements coming in from uh, Donald Trump uh, were actually the highlight. So there was one, uh, one more line coming in from uh, Trump where he said, again, I quote him, uh, there's all the difference in the world between a country that seeks to claim power through coercion, intimidation, aggression, and a country that seeks to grow by setting its people free and unleashing their, their dreams. And that's India. So uh, Trump, Trump uh, made, made the distinction very clear. He said that India's rise was uh, without any intimidation, without any aggression, and it was helping the people realize and achieve their dreams. Uh, whereas uh, he, he bluntly uh, pointed at China without naming China that uh, China's rise uh, was through coercion, intimidation and aggression. So uh, this was a very, very direct and uh, blunt statement on China made by a sitting US president while in India. So uh, what happened uh, thereafter in Beijing, again, was quite important. Global Times, uh, a Chinese media outlet, which is basically a mouthpiece for the Chinese establishment, uh, has taken note of Trump's visit and has now published, a, op published an op-ed piece recommending to the Chinese government to take note of the evolving uh, Indo-US uh, bilateral ties. Now, uh, this was with regards to China. But then the other thing that happened uh, uh, on the trip was uh, the statements coming in from uh, Donald Trump. So uh, what happened was uh, uh, something off the, off the radar. It, it kind of came up uh, a little later once uh, Trump uh, returned back that uh, he said, uh, Donald Trump said that uh, apparently Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan has been pressing on uh, Kashmir mediation so much so that he has been making a nuisance. Now mediation is not happening and while there has been a certain level of accommodation with Pakistan, but that doesn't make uh, anyone, that doesn't make anyone friend. So yeah. I think uh, India on its part will choose to ignore some of uh, Donald Trump's rants or deviations, especially when it comes to uh, Kashmir uh, and especially when it doesn't suit the Indian perspective. But I think India will uh, ignore all that and will instead focus only on the convergence. Mm -hmm. well, yes, yeah, so uh, in the part of the global security, so uh, Trump uh, 
made a statement which was like kind of surprising because I don't I don't think Kishore he has uh, alluded to the quad ever before. So he may, said that PM Modi and I are revitalizing the quad initiative with Australia and Japan for a free and Indo-Pacific. So this was music to the ears for the folks who have been pushing for the quad to get more salience uh, over the past few years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now yeah. under the Trump uh, presidency, the, the US administration has uh, focused heavily on India, the Indian Ocean and the larger region. In fact, in uh, the US administration under def uh, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis under Trump, on May, two th May 30th, 2018, renamed the Asia, the erstwhile Asia Pacific Command to the new name of Indo-Pacific Command. Now, this was a significant step uh, which gave a greater importance to the, the geographical concept now known as uh, Indo-Pacific uh, between the two large nations of uh, India and uh, US. Now, at that time, some of the critics had pointed out that there were differing perceptions of the where the western boundary of the Indo-Pacific uh, lay. So, in India's perception, it was the western boundary lay at the eastern shores of Africa. While for uh, the US, I mean, as uh, then uh, Admiral Harry Harris had uh, jokingly said, it lie, lay from uh, the western shores of US to the western shores of uh, uh, India, I mean, jokingly what he referred to as from uh, Hollywood to Bollywood. <laughs> so mm -hmm. this did bring up uh, some kind of uh, contention and like critics were uh, eager to latch on to these differences. So the good part was that slowly but surely like um, the US has aligned its definition of the Indo-Pacific which matches up to the Indian definition of uh, the Indo-Pacific where it stretches all the way from like the west uh, up to the eastern shores of Africa. So this would be a significant uh, development in uh, my opinion, like uh, in the last few months, you know. Right, right. Uh, okay, so this was all about what happened during the trip. Now let's also focus on what didn't happen. Uh, and uh, there were quite a few expectations, but uh, somehow things did not materialize. materialize. So one thing was uh, nuclear energy, Mohal. Uh, this is something that we've been uh, focusing on. We've been uh, watching the space uh, quite uh, keenly. Uh, there was a bit of hype telling that there would be an impetus to the civil nuclear cooperation with a deal between uh, Westing, Westinghouse and uh, the Indian uh, uh, nuclear power entity called uh, the Nuclear Power Corporation of India Limited to build uh, 6,100 uh, megawatt reactors in Andhra Pradesh. Somehow mm -hmm. that did not happen. Somehow that deal did not go through. But uh, somehow you and I both feel that uh, we may not see a good amount of uh, civil nuclear cooperation in terms of uh, lasting uh, nuclear investments happening within India. Uh, and uh, this has got to do with uh, quite a few moving factors. One is Westinghouse itself is not in good financial shape and the other one being India has added a very costly uh, liability clause to the nuclear deal. So I think uh, uh, mm -hmm. there are yes. quite a few moving parts here and uh, we may not see a good amount of uh, uh, nuclear civil nuclear cooperation happening 
between the US and India, at least in the foreseeable future. Mohan? Yeah. So, the other thing was the trade. Now, this has been one of the most uh, uh, big talking or the friction points between the two countries. Now, mind you, India is a relatively protective, protected economy and has soaked up all the pressure applied on it by US to open up its markets for US exports without budging too much. US has imposed tariffs on many Indian exports, which has led to a counter uh, imposition of tariffs by the Indian government on US exports. <coughs> now, it was being anticipated that during Prime Minister Modi's visit to September that some sort of a trade deal would be signed, but that didn't happen. So it was obvious that expectations were high, running high for a trade deal to be signed during the reciprocal Trump's visit to India. Uh, the U.S. trade representative, commonly referred to as USTR, uh, was not going to be the part of the delegation accompanying Trump. Uh, President Trump himself said that he didn't think a trade deal would happen during the visit, but it would happen sometime later. Uh, possibly after the US elections. Now, he quoted saying that like we can have a trade deal with India, but I am really saving the big trade deal for later on. I don't know whether we will have it before the election, but we will have a very big deal with India, end quote. Trump said in Washington before he left. Now, Trump could have very well canceled the trip, emphasizing on the trade deal, but he chose to sidestep it and still visit India. Now, this shows that even for the U.S. administration and the president himself, the trade issues are irritant, but not necessarily a deal breaker, as many critics would say that uh, any kind of friction in the trade would mean like a deterioration of ties, which is not the case. I think right. uh, it was well put by uh, uh, Jeff Smith, the uh, scholar at like Heritage, that if it would result in, let's say, a Section 301 uh, uh, investigation being opened on in India, then maybe there can be a talk of uh, deterioration of ties. But I think that's a step way forward. And I don't think uh, until the trade deal negotiations are completed, I, I don't see personally think that happening. So uh, coming back to the issue at hand, the, I mean, this was echoed by the Indian Ministry of External Affairs, which sought to separate the visit from the pact. Uh, the spokes, the MEA spokesman Ravish Kumar said that we do not want to rush into, rush into a deal as the issues involved are complicated. Uh, and he further added that many decisions have the potential to impact people's lives and have long-term economic consequences. We do not want to create artificial deadlines. Now, one more impediment for the genuine trade deal between the two countries is the contradictory uh, Make America Great Again or MAGA and the Make in India programs. Now, Trump's overall global strategy has been to reset the economic ties with other nations, including India, to the benefit of US. So many of the moves he makes will be seen as transactional in nature, which will rub the allies the wrong way. But make no mistake, like the trade disputes are not of Trump's making. I mean, many of these issues were, I think many people, you should like what they forget is many of these issues were there even before Trump became president. It's mm -hmm. not that suddenly they appeared on like in November right, 2016. Right. But what with Trump is the distinction is that the same disputes come front and center and hog all the headlines. So for him, like his transactional nature means that he would want something on the trade deal where he would say, okay, there's an economic disparity in the imports and the exports and we would like to balance it out. So because he talks about, he makes it the forefront of any of his uh, negotiations or what he says, he just 
suddenly uh, captures a imagination of a lot of the people you know mm-hmm. so now while the us expects india to purchase more from it india on the other hand will have to make it make in india program and also uh, uh, as recent as feb 1 india's finance minister nirmala sitaraman uh, announced a slew of tariffs on purchases from outside to bolster the make in india program so eventually there will have to be some com- hard compromises made on the other on both sides but for now uh, there isn't a a uh, massive issue or a gulf which needs to be overcome hopefully after the us elections they can come to a finalize a uh, trade deal where maybe some of the concessions in my personal opinion maybe there might be some concessions which might not go down well with some of the us electorate especially in the swing states where there's a lot of rural farmers so maybe in the end there would be some concessions which would they might not like and trump doesn't want to jeopardize his reelection so maybe i'm just thinking they might be pushed to a later stage after the november elections kishor hmm 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 okay so what is the uh, what is a very very major stumbling block in ironing out a trade deal why is it not happening uh, well uh, believe it or not it's not actually related to defense or any of the uh, big budget uh, items rather it's actually related to pharmaceuticals Now, as Aparna Pandey, uh, uh, and a scholar uh, herself, uh, explained in one of the interviews uh, earlier in the month, uh, India has a big uh, genetic, generic uh, uh, pharma industry, and India has a very large number of people below the poverty line. So they like to keep their uh, pharmaceutical products very low priced so that they can cater to their constituents. The pharma companies in the uh, in the US, on the other hand, they don't like it. Uh, so i think the bilateral ties have evolved so well that both countries don't find the need to announce a big bang uh, trade deal during a high profile visit i think uh, they kind of understand that the the bilateral ties have evolved to such an extent have reached such a high pedestal that uh, the the announcement of a trade deal does not make or break the overall uh, bilateral ties so i think that's very clear to everybody now and uh, this uh, speaks volumes about the maturity of the bilateral ties um however the other way uh, you look at it a good trade deal is far more beneficial for india in the long run than for the united states india uh, does not figure in the top 5 trading partners for the us in fact india has the ninth largest trading partner for the us and it's slowly uh, uh, gaining importance in uh, becoming a bigger and bigger trading partner however the united states has the largest trading partner for india so uh, having a good trade deal uh, will actually benefit india more rather than uh, the united states uh, also there has been a significant uh, trade imbalance in the bilateral t- trade something which uh, president trump has been harping on right from the days of his uh, candidacy so uh, i think uh, the focus is now slowly but steadily shifting towards a, a free trade agreement uh, which possibly is something that uh, pius goel and uh, the us counterpart are actually aiming at now we'll have to see if an fta actually makes uh, sense surely uh, one point of that surely it will actually address the concerns of imbalance in the trade this is bound to get addressed automatically now that india is looking to purchase more oil and gas from uh, from the united states in addition to purchase of uh, 
civilian aircraft and other defense equipment. On the other hand, uh, India will have to open up to uh, US dairy products, which will be a big blow to its own dairy industry. After all, mm -hmm. India opted out of the regional comprehensive economic partnership, citing that it would be detrimental to India's interests. Um, more importantly, an FTA with the US will actually help India to become a true economic giant. Uh, helping in achieving its goal of becoming a $5 trillion economy. So I think there are quite a bit of uh, uncertainties even now about uh, how and what an FTA aims to achieve and uh, what India wants out of the FTA. I think uh, we still need to wait and watch uh, this space to kind of understand uh, where we are, at the, possibly at the end of the year when we try to uh, when we are that much closer to an FTA being signed. Um, okay, so having said that, India, again, is not very eager to get rid of the tariffs that it imposes. For example, when you have an FTA, one obvious uh, calamity will be the tariffs that you have already imposed. And India will have to get rid of the tariffs that it has already imposed. Now, at the same time, uh, India also wants an early restoration of the uh, GSP, what is... Uh, called as the generalized system of preferences privileges uh, which India enjoyed and the US terminated it uh, last year. So um, let's see how uh, GSP works. Uh, Trump terminated the preferential trading status of $5 billion of Indian exports under the GSP program, which is actually aimed at benefiting developing economies. India was the largest beneficiary and had failed to make their markets equitable and reasonable according to the uh, United States administration. But then it's not that India is not, trading, is not treating the trade deal with all the seriousness it deserves. The Modi government has actually elevated the trading negotiating team to the cabinet level now with uh, Piyush Goyal, Hardeep Puri, Piyush Goyal and Hardeep Puri representing India during the negotiations. However, years and decades of ignominy uh, acquired uh, <coughs> over all these years um, have resulted in India uh, being highly uh, unyielding in um, closing out a deal. And this might actually take a few more months or years to overcome. Uh, Mohal, you have any other uh, points on trade before we kind of wrap up? Uh, no, I think you summarized it well over there. I mean, this has been the biggest issue between the two countries mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully the we'll have a, some kind of, sort of an agreement in the near future, you know. Right, right. Okay, so uh, wrapping things up, let's see how uh, uh, we can summarize this. So was this trip more about semantics than substance? We believe not. We actually believe that uh, even before the trip began, uh, a U.S. official was clear in pointing out that Trump's visit was a demonstration of the strong and enduring ties between the two countries, uh, which are based on shared democratic traditions, strategic interests, and bonds between the two people. The official had also described the relationship between Trump and Modi as very close. In fact, the same uh, uh, similar sentiments were echoed by Prime Minister Modi uh, when he uh, address, when he was addressing the mega Ahmedabad audience, when he said that uh, this was actually a reflection of the people-to-people -people, uh, contacts that uh, India and the US enjoy. Now, more than anything, this trip 
was all about continuity, a continuity in Indo-US relations, an acknowledgement by both countries of the strategic importance that the bilateral ties has. As I already mentioned, this was a, the fourth consecutive trip by a sitting US president, starting from uh, Clinton, uh, Mohal, you pointed it out, starting from uh, Clinton, then George Bush, then a uh, couple of visits by uh, Obama, and now uh, with uh, Donald Trump as well. Mohal? Yeah, so um, um, in many ways, this trip has uh, happened uh, because of the strategic convergences, despite the differences that they have on trade and a uh, few other issues uh, like Iran. Now, the main elephant in the room is like how to contain China and whether to engage with the Taliban on the issue of Afghanistan or not has also been another tricky situation. Now, as remarked by Ashley Tellis in a piece, I believe in the uh, foreign affairs, he says that the three years into the Trump presidency, the strategic partnership with India that successfully cultivated as a silent bulwark against China hasn't just survived, it has flourished, end quote. So the two countries now call their partnership a comprehensive global strategic partnership or like a CGSP, uh, if you want to call it an acronym. So much that the trip has been... Uh, highly uncharacteristic of President Trump. I mean, he, as you know, is a reluctant traveler to begin with. So for him to take, uh, have such a short visit that to halfway around the world in itself was an achievement. Added to this, like how uh, we all know that he's very transactional in his dealings. Now, anyway, you look at it, the US didn't have anything major to show off as a takeaway from the trip. Maybe grant minus the 3.5 billion uh, deal for the helicopters. Uh, so this again is highly unlike President Trump as he likes to showcase his ability to strike deals. So on both counts, the trip was a major achievement uh, and a good step forward for bilateral tries. Now, is India leaning too much on, towards the US or can this lead to India becoming a subservient state to the US foreign policy? Uh, what if what happens if US just cuts a deal tomorrow with China, like just how they're doing with Taliban? Now, India... Well, India has always said that this is the age of the multipolar world. Uh, and I think as the, our uh, external affairs minister, Dr. Jay Shankar, who was then the foreign secretary, mentioned that like, you know, we do like uh, align issue-based alignment. So it's not like India is going to go completely into one camp with the US camp as many fear or suspect. Uh, but like, you know, we are going to keep our options open by engaging with all, all of the powers across the world. Now, India believes and continues to believe that a multi-directional foreign policy is the way to go for the future. I mean, an example of how they're doing this would be, let's say, they're buying from Russia the S-400, they're keeping up with France, they're keeping up with Japan, and they're carrying out, I guess I lost count of how many trilaterals with members of the ASEAN, uh, and the, the the West and the Australia and the other oceanic regions. So, uh, I mean, India is like engaged in multiple facets of diplomacy without ever to committing to any of the uh, nations or the sides way too heavily. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the. Yeah, I think that's the. Uh, 
stand out uh, when it comes to Indian foreign policy, where they have kind of uh, walked a tightrope, balancing mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. every major power around uh, around them. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that might help uh, India in the long run as well. I think, and also that has been a characteristic of Indian foreign policy since like 1947. Uh, granted, at some times because of uh, hostility shown by one of the superpowers, we might have leaned way towards one of them. But I think in today's world where uh, there is, we have to continue this 70 years of policy where we just engage with everyone without going completely into one camp, let's say by signing a NATO type of agreement, which some want, but apparently won't make sense. Mm-hmm. So this will be the way forward. And uh, hopefully Indian US ties can still grow. And I think US understands that India won't become a state similar to like a Japan or Australia, which is a defense agreement, but will still be a strategic partner in pushing against uh, various challenges like China, you know. Agree, agree. Okay, so before we wind up uh, this episode, let's uh, switch our focus to recommendations. Mohal, you want to share anything that you read which is worth recommending? Yeah, so there were a couple of uh, interviews that uh, Jeff Smith, a scholar at uh, Heritage Foundation did. Like one was with uh, Surya Gangadharan of mm-hmm. Strategic News uh, Global. Uh, and there's another interview he did. I can't recall like uh, who was the... Uh, I think it was with Happy Mohan Jacob uh, on strategic conversations with uh, Happy Mohan Jacob. Like he did two very good interviews where he outlines uh, Trump foreign policy and tries to downplay the concerns on the relationship which uh, we all agree that has grown by leaps and bounds over the last uh, few years and decades you know mm-hmm. Kishore like so what's your recommendation for this week um, I actually would like to recommend uh, uh, an interview of uh, Subramaniam Jaishankar India Minister for External Affairs uh, mm-hmm. Conducted by uh, Raj Chengappa, it came out oh, yeah. uh, on that India today. Good, yeah, just mm-hmm. last week. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, we need to follow S. Jaishankar a lot. Uh, he is uh, <laughs> a scholar himself. He yeah. kind of explains uh, all the nitty-gritties quite well, pretty much in layman terms. And mm-hmm. at the same time, he is a wonderful, wonderful bureaucrat, a diplomat who mm-hmm. has the knack of. Uh, uh, talking to all the world leaders and trying to put forth India's perspective uh, around the world. So I think uh, that uh, interview would uh, would kind of uh, help people understand what uh, India's uh, perspectives and uh, outlook is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think with that, we come to an end of uh, this week's episode where we covered the US President Donald Trump's maiden visit to India and its implications on the bilateral ties and also with an added uh, global perspective. To continue hearing about such interesting topics, do subscribe to our channel India Rising wherever you are listening to us. If you have not left us a review, we urge you to do so as it helps other listeners like you in finding us. We would also like to hear from, from you if you have any suggestions on any topics that you would like us to cover. Do remember that these topics should be directly related to Indian foreign policy. Until the next time, this is Mohal and Kishore signing off.